Leveling up. Extreme business growth through raising your game. When what was once extraordinary becomes ordinary, you know you've leveled up. Hello and welcome to the Leveling Up podcast with me, George Swift. The Leveling Up podcast is here to give you the personal development, the entrepreneurial development and the business growth that you, the ambitious business owner, desires. I'm here to give you the inspiration, the motivation, but above all else, as always, to challenge your aspirations to take you and your business to the next level. Don't forget, subscribe to this podcast and never miss an episode. And in today's episode, I want to share with you a model that I have been sharing for the past 10 years. This is my model for getting people to understand how they are being manipulated by their own thoughts, how they being manipulated by their own unconscious, but also to understand how they're being influenced and manipulated by external forces and external agendas. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking about, you know, if you don't think for yourself, then somebody else will do your thinking for you. And I talked about how the media had its agenda, politics had its agenda, how everybody out there has an agenda. And some of those organizations, they understand how we work as human beings. They understand how to manipulate thoughts and perceptions in human beings so that they can trigger behavior patterns and actions that align with what it is that they're trying to create. Now, we do this as well all the time. For example, if you're a parent, if you're a parent, you've got a child, we do, let's be honest, we manipulate our children. Mine are 18 years old now, so they're a little bit beyond manipulation, but we manipulate our kids. We manipulate them to go to the doctors by promising them a stop off on the park on the way home. We manipulate them to go and I don't know, get an eye test because we'll stop off at the sweet shop on the way home. And what we're doing is we're saying, look, you know, you'll do this thing that you don't want to do, but we'll artificially reward you afterwards for it. And therefore, we'll create a drive, a momentum, a motivation in that child to take the action that we want them to take. Now, of course, there's nothing sinister in that because we know what's best for our kids and we're trying to do the best by them and we have their best interests at heart. In that episode where I talk about think for yourself or someone else will do your thinking for you, I was talking about how some big brand marketing does your thinking for you, implants these worms, you know, implants these perceptions, these thoughts in you that aren't yours, but they bombard you with them every day on TV, everywhere in films and TV, product placement, your sports teams, for example. When you go to the shop, they're putting an inception inside of you. They're putting a thought in side of you, a desire, a, a perception that you didn't have before. Big brand marketing does this through creating an emotion in you. And if it can trigger an emotion in you, an emotion that you aspire for, you aspire to have, then you will want to go out and potentially purchase that product in order to have that sensation. So for example, you know, a fizzy drinks company will show you lots of young, sexy, athletic, happy, vibrant, connected people partying on a beach in the sun, that's really aspirational for most of us. And we, you know, we're drawn to that imagery. We're drawn to that emotion. It, we get a, uh, a sympathetic feeling. We get empathy for that situation. We can feel what it would feel like to be part of that party, to be part of that tribe, to have a part of that sensation, that feeling. And then our brain makes the link between the product, or I should say, actually, the big brand company makes the link for us between that product and that sensation. And if they do that enough, even though consciously, logically, we're smart enough to understand that if I go out there and drink Coke, it really isn't going to make me a better person. But under the surface of my unconscious, there's that little bit of connection that feels like I am going to be a better person if I drink Coke. I'm going to be more popular if 
it goes in enough, right? When we're daydreaming, when we're going by our normal day and we're doing our normal routines and we're listening to music, but in there there's the advert that goes in, the TV, the advert that goes in and all the product placement in our films, it all goes in unconsciously and it starts to create this inception inside of us. I keep saying this perception, this thought, these feelings that motivate us to take certain action, in this case, to go and buy their product. I talked about big brand politics in that episode as well and we talked about how the big brand marketing companies, you know, then took that into politics and politics became less about education and information. It became much more about manipulation and influence. It became much more about marketing, getting people to feel a certain way so they vote a certain way. And what happened there, it became super cynical because it's no longer about actually what's best for you. It's about manipulating you for what's best for them. The same as the big brand marketing companies. Take McDonald's. A recent campaign for McDonald's was all about how you are a better parent if you take your kids to McDonald's. That's literally what they were saying. And it was metaphorically what they were saying. And all their imagery and all their branding and all their adverts were pushing this message that you're a good parent if you go to McDonald's. There was another one where people come together at McDonald's. So families come together at McDonald's. And the idea of creating this space where, you know, people come and connect and have this vibe and everything else. Of course, they're not advertised the fact that their product, let's be honest, is not exactly going to be high quality product. Don't see me there, McDonald's. I think we're all in agreement there, you included, even though your current campaigns are all about how your product is so healthy and everything else. We know it's not true. Just look at the ingredients. And I think we would be fair to say that your product should be consumed minimally. But of course, that doesn't sell shitloads of burgers. So that's not what they're going to say. They're going to say, consume McDonald's responsibly. They're not going to say that, right? What they're going to do is say, no, come here and have fun. Come here and be, you know, athletic. And I mean, no one's in McDonald's adverts sit there like a big old bloater with spotted face and a, a rotting liver, right? They're all healthy, young, connected families and connected people and young people. And they're selling a feeling. They're not selling the food. They don't sell, you know, the product because the product itself, there's not a lot to sell, right? The only reason they went down this whole route about their nutritional values and how they use full you know, chicken breast and that is because they were completely outed through documentaries, for example, that showed the devastating effect of consuming too much McDonald's on the body. And there was all these, you know, obviously these whistleblowers and all this information out there about how the product was second rate. So they went on this big offensive and everything else. Until that point, it wasn't about the content of the food at all because... Let's be honest, there's not a lot to sell there. So what they do is they sell you the experience. They sell you the aspiration. And this is how they manipulate us. Now, I know I'm going over some of the content I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, but it's really important because today I want to focus on one key aspect of that whole pattern that I was describing in that episode, and that is the one of getting you to take certain action, getting you to behave in certain ways. And I touched on this when I said our thoughts and our perceptions create our feelings, our feelings motivate our behaviors, motivate our actions. If you can take control of someone's thinking, you take control of someone's perceptions, then you can start to take control of their emotions, what I call their chemistry set. So all of our emotions are the byproduct of chemicals flooding through our body, which manipulates us to take certain actions and behavior. If you can hijack someone's perceptions, you can hijack someone's thought processes, you start to hijack their emotions and their feelings. And if you hijack their feelings, you can start to puppet them. And this is what I talk about when I refer to the chemical puppet. 
What we've got, we've got a conscious brain and an unconscious brain. So I think we're all aware of that. There's two aspects of who we are. The unconscious controls all of that automated stuff that goes on. So the unconscious, for example, manages our blood pressure and our heart rate, but it also takes care of a whole host of emotions as well. Our fear responses, our, our drivers and motivators, it, it's responsible for our lust and our passion and all those sensations and feelings that we have. Our feelings are byproducts of this chemistry set, which is triggered in the unconscious, which dictates behaviors. The conscious sits on top of that. The conscious part of who we are is what makes us human beings. The conscious part is what gets us thinking and being creative and problem solving. The conscious part is the part that listens to me and says, what does he mean by that? And you can hear that voice in your head. The conscious part of you is the part of you that wants to do something, but you stop yourself from doing it. It's the part of you that has that little chat with yourself in the mirror when you're about to open the fridge and go for the third slice of cake that day. It's the part of you that sits there and thinks about, you know, is this right for me? Should I do this? And it's the part of you that can override to a degree those unconscious triggers and those unconscious drivers. So consciously, that's the you part of you. Unconscious, that's the machine. Now, the problem we have here is actually between 99 and 95% of everything you think, feel and do is unconsciously driven. Now, it needs to be like this because if you are there right now trying to listen to this podcast, apply this podcast to your life, to your business, whilst also simultaneously managing all of the aspects of your unconscious self, so managing your heart rate and your breathing and managing your blood pressure, whilst also having one part of you consciously always looking out for the threat or, you know, we'd be completely and utterly overwhelmed. You wouldn't be able to move out of the chair. You couldn't do more than one or two of these things before you absolutely just froze in place. So luckily, the unconscious is super, super powerful, okay? And it sits there and it does all this big number crunching. So think of it like a computer that takes in all this data, huge amounts of data from the external world, and you only get to see a portion of that. Okay, it will take care of the majority of life on your behalf, automated systems and processes. Okay, these systems and processes are manipulating you to take certain actions, and they're also triggering you back up from the system, from the unconscious, to have certain thoughts and certain feelings. And the whole process goes on for most people unconsciously because that's where it resides in the unconscious. We only have a small glimpse of what's going on in the unconscious when we sit there and we quietly sit with our thoughts or just you know, start to become aware of ourselves. we can start to become aware of the unconscious at work. So if I asked you right now to think about how you're sitting and then ask yourself, did you consciously sit in that position or were you unconsciously sitting in that position? If you're fidgeting now because I've highlighted your position, did you choose to fidget or are you unconsciously fidgeting? Now start looking at your thought processes. Are you thinking about what you chose to think about or are you thinking about what the unconscious has triggered you to think about? If I asked you to think about your feet, can you suddenly become aware of your feet? Well, you weren't aware of your feet, but they were unconsciously, they were absolutely there. Your brain knew they were there. And, you know, if your feet start to get a little bit numb, you might move your feet without even knowing they got numb, or you might become alerted to the fact your feet are becoming numb, and therefore consciously you choose to move your feet. And this is the symbiotic nature of the conscious and the unconscious constantly back and forth working together, but the conscious part of who you are can be as little as 1%. So, you know, when you're there and you're kind of daydreaming down the motorway, your unconscious is driving the car, your unconscious is alert to everything, your unconscious is absolutely 
in control of everything and you want it that way because your unconscious is super powerful and it's much, much faster than the conscious as well. So therefore, as your car's going down the motorway, actually you want your unconscious to drive the car. If you want proof of this, just remember when you were consciously learning to drive a car and how bad you were at driving and how many things you missed. Once you become completely proficient at driving, the unconscious has now been conditioned and trained to drive the car, and it will drive way better than you ever would consciously. It's able to take in all of the information where all the cars are around you. It can look in the mirror. It knows what your feet are doing on the pedals. It knows what gear you're in. It knows what's coming up on the road. And you're daydreaming away, thinking about your shopping list or thinking about what's coming up that night, and suddenly you kind of wake up, and you can't remember the last two, three, four junctions of that motorway. How many times, for example, if there's a, a route you take regularly on the motorway, let's say you do six junctions on the motorway quite regularly to work, how often do you get on the motorway, fall asleep, not literally, but metaphorically, you fall asleep, start thinking about your day, start thinking about other things, listen to the music, whatever's going on, look out the window, and then you kind of wake up from your sleep as you're approaching the junction that you normally get off at. Well, it's not because you were asleep. Your unconscious was driving the car all along. If something had happened on the motorway, your unconscious was there, ready to hit the brake, ready to steer the car, ready to take action. You were just able to daydream off. The unconscious had you covered. Well, this is how we live our life on a day-to-day basis, week by week, year by year. The unconscious has us covered. So you can see, therefore, if we don't start to look into our own unconscious, we can see how actually we're not necessarily behaving in a way that we would want to behave in. We're not taking the, the, or making the choices or taking the action that we would choose to. We're being manipulated by our unconscious based on triggers in the external world and based on our own experiences in life and what we've learned to be right and wrong, good and bad, and how to react and respond to certain inputs, certain situations. And that learning all goes in like a computer system and the unconscious doesn't challenge it or question it. It just gets stored and that behavior keeps getting repeated as long as it keeps working. Now, it might not be working well for you. It might not be working in a way that gets you the best possible life or experience of life that you want. However, the fact that you're listening to this podcast and if you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, whatever it is that you've been doing is obviously working because evolution, which is what obviously created, if you like, or what certainly gave birth to, our consciousness and ourself as a human species, evolution doesn't care about us succeeding as individuals. It cares about us succeeding and thriving as a species. And we do that by surviving as individuals. So the fact that you're still here listening to this podcast means that whatever you're applying is working as far as evolution is concerned, as far as the unconscious is concerned, and therefore it doesn't get challenged. So we go through our life daydreaming, thinking that we're in control of our life. We think we're in control of our vehicle, which is this being that we're in. We think we're making choices. We think we're having our thoughts. We think it's our feelings. And whilst they're in us and they're contained within us, and therefore they obviously are ours, actually they're coming from the unconscious. and They're being stored there through all of our experiences. Now, in evolutionary terms, this is really smart because all animals learn like this. You go through your life. There's certain things that you're born with. So human beings, we have a natural fear of falling. We have a natural fear of darkness. And we have a natural fear of loud noises. They also think that we've evolved to have a natural fear of snakes and spiders and creepy crawlies because these things were very real threats to us. So therefore, we still have that predisposition to those anxieties and fears today, those threats that 
were very much a part of our life in the past, not so much today, but we still have them in us. This is why horror films are always set in the dark and in the shadows. And this is why in terms of phobias, you know, snakes and spiders are two of the biggest phobias that we have as a species. It still exists in us to this day. So we're born with certain responses, certain manipulations, and then we go out into the world and we navigate the world around us and we start to learn. We learn through our own experiences of life, what works and doesn't work for us, perceived. Sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes something did work for us, but we get the wrong lesson and we learn that didn't work for us. Like, for example, standing up at school, putting your hand up, saying the wrong answer, and then people laughing at us. Actually, the getting up and putting yourself out there may well have been the right thing to do, right? I mean, it's a really brave thing to do. and We want to be those people moving forward. But because of the laughing, because we got embarrassed, actually the lesson we took on board was standing up and putting yourself out there. It was a really bad thing. And now we have a hang up going into later life. Does this make sense? Sometimes we only need one big event in order to really shift who we are as people. That big event goes into the unconscious and the unconscious is storing that in like a red alert status, which you must never allow that to happen again. This is what created that outcome. We must never do that again. It doesn't necessarily question whether the action was right, all it looks at is the result. And if the result wasn't right, and there's a degree of discomfort or pain that came from that, a threat, if you like, from that, the threat of ridicule, embarrassment, the threat of being wrong, of failure, it will just look at that and it'll say, right, okay, so we can protect ourselves from never being laughed at again if we never put ourselves out there again. This is a person that, you know, falls in love for the first time in their life and they give everything they've got to the other person, completely trust that person, that trust is broken. And then when they come out of that relationship, there's a part of them that just will never trust again. I can never trust again. I can never get involved in another relationship again. I can never give myself to another human being again. I can never trust another human being again, because if I do, then this bad thing will happen again. Therefore, if I want to protect myself from the bad thing happening again, I just need to never put myself in that position again. Does it make sense? Well, okay, yeah, if you never get into another relationship, then that person or another person will never cheat on you again or break your trust again. However, you may spend the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years of your life lonely, at the very least, missing out on a fundamental part of what can make life so amazing. So we have to understand that as these lessons go in, our own experiences go in, they're not necessarily challenged and questioned. They just go in blanketly and we don't always get the best lesson from them. It becomes a part of who we are. And now we have an issue, we have a problem, we have a, a block, if you like, in our life in the future, stopping us from being all we could be and having all that we could have in business and in life generally. Now, we also learn from witness experience. So we look to our mum and dad initially and we look at their life and we learn from their behaviours, their actions. So we start to emulate our parents because, of course, if our parents are still alive at 20, 30 years old when we're born, whatever they're doing must be working as well. And therefore, we take that on board and we replicate those behaviours. This is something that happens almost to every human being. You vow never to be like your mum, never to be like your dad. You hit a certain age, whether it's in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s, and suddenly you start to realise that you are literally becoming or always have been your parents, right? And it always surprises us. Well, of course we are, because a lot of those behaviours from our parents, they get locked in and stored in the database for later use. And when I'm 16, 17, it doesn't matter about the lessons of parenting that I got from mum and dad because I'm not a parent right now. So it's just stored there dormantly. And then what happens, of course, is I then become a parent myself and my brain says, right, how to be a parent. It goes into the archives. It goes hunting through all that data. And of course, what worked for mum and dad, obviously, 
would work for me as well. So I replicate that in the animal kingdom, in the wild. It would be the equivalent of if mum goes and hunts in a certain part of the woods, I will go and hunt in a certain part of the woods. Does it make sense? If dad behaves in a certain way, then obviously that is the right way and therefore I replicate that. So it starts with mum and dad, then it goes on to your, your tribe, if you like, your closer family and then maybe your friends and then society as a whole and your teachers and it's the tv programs that we watch that also become part of our learning experience it's the books we read the films the magazines all that information goes in as our, our mentors if you like this is how we navigate life and most of us we didn't choose the films we were watching we didn't choose the information we were taking in based on what's going to make me the best performing well-rounded human being we just went out and you know consumed this information a lot of this information was shoved into your skull without you even being aware that you were taking it on board and it becomes again part of your your data that sits in your unconscious ready to be used in the future and then there's the last one where we learn we learn by taught experiences so this is where people teach us things so our parents sit around the table and it's not from our own direct experience that the main road is dangerous for us uh, i've never seen anyone get run over on the main road but my mum tells me stories about how if you go on the main road you're going to get killed if you go on the main road it's really dangerous it's really scary and i've had no connection with that real threat however because it's coming through this trusted source, it goes in and I take that information on as my own, even though it has no direct relevance to my life so far. So this is how we learn. It's very, very powerful. You can imagine in our tribal backgrounds, our ancestry, this was incredible. What it meant was is, you know, if something bad happened to me, I learned from it very quickly. If I saw something bad happening to someone else, I would learn from that as well. And if Something happened to those people and they were died altogether. The story could be passed on to the tribe and therefore that story would then become the education and people would learn from it as well. So you didn't have to have your head chewed off by a saber-toothed tiger in order to be manipulated by unconscious to run away from saber-toothed tigers or anywhere where saber-toothed tigers might hang out. If I survived the attack, I would definitely have a saber-toothed tiger phobia. That works perfectly. Never go anywhere near where a saber-toothed tiger might be or is or possibly could be at some point in the future. Works brilliantly. If I see you, my friend, as I'm out there getting your head chewed off by the saber-toothed tiger, you die. So there's no point in you having that learning. However, I witnessed that and therefore, I get the same learning, which means, again, I protect myself moving forward. I go back to the tribe. I then tell the story to everyone back at the tribe. They get the same uh, learning without ever having to be anywhere near the saber-toothed tiger. This is a really safe way of taking on experiences from ourselves, our lives, the people close to us, and even people who aren't close to us so that we can help navigate life safely. And it's all about creating a safe existence. That's all evolution cares about. Keep us alive for long enough to breed, to take care of our young, so our young can then breed and take care of their young. That's what it's all about. I always say we, we thrive as a species by surviving as individuals. That's all we're really designed for. We have the ability to thrive as individuals. We have the ability to lead fulfilling, successful, happy lives. But that isn't actually what we're built for. What we're built for is anxieties and fears and doubts and paranoias. We're built in order to get through, to survive. Now, this takes us to this whole thing, which is you can understand now how the chemical puppet works. So something happens in my childhood. It gets repeated a few times. It goes in as the truth, as facts, as this is how to react and respond. None of it consciously. Something happens in the world today and it triggers that 
program from a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, I react and behave in certain ways. So we've been manipulated by ourselves, by our own experiences. Now, our own experiences are untrustworthy because just because something happened once to me, I was laughed at once for putting my hand up and standing up in front of a classroom, which I was, doesn't mean that it's going to happen again and again and again. doesn't mean it was the wrong thing to do. But now I've become someone that sits in the shadows and sits back quietly. And of course, you can't be a well, fully rounded, successful human beings if you're going to sit in the background in the shadows. So now I've got something that is limiting me from being all I could be and having all I could have. And it's something that happened to me, but it isn't based in the reality of a real genuine threat. It was something that I took on. It was a blanket response. Never put yourself forward. Never fall in love again. Never connect with anyone again. Never do this again. Never go there again. Don't ever put yourself on the side of a mountain again. Because you watched the documentary three years ago and someone fell off it and you like, completely witnessed that whole experience and imagine what it would be like. And you saw the, you know, the mourners and the family close to them and you thought, oh my God. And that was it. Now you've got a phobia from climbing a mountain that has nothing to do with you because you've never even been near a mountain. You know, no one has ever gone through a mountain, but the TV program's gone in, that learning's gone in and it manipulates you. Does this make sense? You know, watch a load of films about, you know, air crash investigation. Go and watch a load, of, a load of stuff about planes crashing and, you know, especially the ones that really get into the story and you can really feel what it would be like to be on that plane crashing into the sea or into the side of a mountain and then try and fly the next day. Most people, they will have a natural anxiety. It's gone in just from watching stuff the day before, the week before. It goes in, but we don't choose this information. This information is stuff that we're consuming habitually in the outside world because unconsciously this whole process is happening. Remember, only 1% to 5% of everything we think, feel and do is conscious. Therefore, only a small portion of the data that's coming in is consciously chosen by us. This takes us to not only how we're manipulated by ourselves, by our past and by our teachings and our lessons in life, but this shows you how we can get hijacked by other people, by other people's agendas. Because if they can put enough of that experience, third party experience into us at a deep level, let's take, you know, the sugary drink, right? Let's take the crappy takeaway food product. Let's take the sexy, fast car, whatever it might be, right? The holiday on the mountain, you know, the ski slopes, the Barbados trip, the go to Australia. If they can get in to our unconscious and give us an experience, right? We then learn from that experience because that's what we've done our entire life. That's how we evolve. That's how we survive as human beings. We take on that experience and the brain then stores that data. You might not have even like consciously been even watching the advert or reading the magazine article, but it kind of went in, right? You might have been reading an article or the newspaper and there's a picture of Barbados and the white sands and... You know, and that went in unconsciously in the background. Why do companies spend so much money putting their imagery in front of you, their message in front of you? Because it works. They know that if they can get in there and hijack you at an unconscious level, and they hijack your unconscious, and they start to give you programming at an unconscious level, they know that it will be triggered later. And in big brand marketing, what they're trying to do is they're trying to get you to have the thought they need you to have to trigger the feeling they need you to have or vice versa, it goes both ways. You can trigger the feeling in someone and then that will trigger the thought in the person to take an action that you want them to have. This is why, for example, in big brand marketing or marketing, it's not important for the person to be thinking about, I don't know, the lager at nine o'clock in the morning over breakfast because that isn't typically when 
well-adjusted human beings drink lager, right? So they don't want to connect their thought of breakfast and lager with you. So you're having breakfast, you're not even thinking about lager. You go through your life, you're not thinking about lager. But let's say, for example, you go out after work and it's a nice sunny day and it's hot and everything else. And then suddenly you have this feeling, oh, I really fancy a lager. Was that your thought? Or was that a thought that was incepted in you? over weeks, months, years of campaigns to trigger a thought of a hot, sunny day in a refreshing lager, right? And you're having that thought there. You didn't have the thought. It was planted in you, programmed into you, and then it's triggered by a set of circumstances in the external world. They want you, you know, when McDonald's does its adverts, it doesn't want you necessarily waking up in the morning around the kitchen table thinking about McDonald's. So it doesn't sell its McDonald's breakfast that way. It sells it as in, you know, I know you're short on time. You're rushing on the way to work. Quick, nip into McDonald's. Nip into the drive-thru. It's not thinking, okay, how do I get someone to think about McDonald's at midnight or one o'clock in the morning? Okay, it's thinking, right, I need people to think about McDonald's at breakfast on the way to work so they stop in and pull in and grab a McDonald's. Or I want them to think about it as lunch when they're going to go out. I want to think about it on Saturday afternoon after the football game. I want them to think about, you know, on the way home from school, look at McDonald's advertising. You'll see exactly what they're trying to do. They want you to have certain thoughts at certain times. Now they've started doing more this takeaway, for example. So, so they're showing families or friends gathering and then someone says, oh, I'm a bit hungry. Are you a bit hungry? Yeah, I'm a bit hungry. What do we think? Oh, McDonald's, McDonald's. So they're trying to get in there. You make the phone call and it turns up at the door. So what they're trying to do now is they're trying to get you to think about McDonald's when you're in your own home. That wasn't necessarily something that they really pushed hard in the past, okay? What they really pushed hard on was things like after school, after football, on the way to work, that transient kind of thing. Because you're out in the high street and you get hungry. Well, I want a fancy McDonald's. I'm on the way to work. I've skipped breakfast. I could wait until I get to work and have something healthy. Or I could just nip in here and I see my golden arches and I pull in and I want to go and buy a big old juicy McDonald's breakfast, right? That's what they've done. The same with Coke and everything else. Coke isn't trying to sell you Coke for breakfast. So all its imagery is trying to make the connection for when it's relevant to buy their product later. Does this make sense? When I walk into the shop, I want Coke. When it's a hot day, I really fancy a Coke. I really fancy an ice cream. When I'm connecting with my friends, my buddies, I really want a Coke. Budweiser did this, you know? What's up? What's up, Avert? You know, what are you doing? Watching the game. I'm watching the game. I'm chilling out, watching the game. Drink a beer, drink a Bud while watching the game. What do you then do, right? That's the advert. You then watch the game and Budweiser is all over it, right? So all the adverts have got Budweiser adverts in it as well. And you probably have the team sponsored by Budweiser or the stadium sponsored by Budweiser. And now what they're doing is they're connecting this inception inside of you that says, right, watch the game, have a Bud. Watch the game, have a Bud. Connect with my friends and have a Bud. So when you've got your friends coming up to watch the game, you go and buy Bud. You could go to the shop and buy any beer, but you buy Bud, right? Did you choose Bud? Or was it already programmed into you days, weeks, months, years and years of this campaigning to get inside, to hijack your unconscious, to put this inception inside of you so that when you want to watch the game tonight, the big game tonight, when you've got a friend coming over, a few friends coming over, you're going to a mate's house, you could buy any product, any beer, any drink, you buy Bud. This is why they spend millions, hundreds of millions, over the years, billions and billions of pounds and dollars on this because they know how to hijack your unconscious. They know how to do it. If they just educate you, here's beer. Beer does this and beer makes you a bit tipsy and buy a beer. No one's going to have that real vibe to want to buy a beer. But when I think it makes me a better friend, a better parent, a better dad, when it makes me a better human being, when it gives me a better experience of life, makes me younger, sexier, more vibrant, more energetic. If I have that emotion at the right time, I want their product. And none of it was me. 
I have been brainwashed over decades to buy products, want products, to desire products at an appropriate time, a desired time by the people putting that into me, programming me with that brainwashing so that I buy more of their product. They haven't sold me their product. They haven't educated me on their product. They have manipulated me over decades to have a sensation that drives an action which serves their purpose. I'm also critical of mainstream media. I'm critical of all media. You know, they do exactly the same thing. They're trying to hijack your eyeballs, hijack your attention. They're trying to get you watching their program. And they are also then putting these thoughts into you. They're putting this stuff into you that isn't yours. Someone died on the other side of the world in this horrific way suddenly becomes the same teaching to you as someone in your tribe died in a horrific certain way. You have the same learning. Oh my God, that's terrible. That's awful. And it goes in and it starts to manipulate you slightly, even though you might be 10,000 miles away from where that happened. But the same tribalism works. If this was a threat to someone in my tribe, this could be a threat to me. Therefore, I must learn it and take it on for myself. So this is why when you look at the media, for example, it's bombarding you with all these stories around the world. And a lot of it, let's be honest, is fucking miserable shit. And it's getting into your brain, right? And some, and, and some of it, Christ, most of it is completely irrelevant to you and your life, but it goes in. It goes in and you feel the perception of the threat in the world is so much greater than the actual threat in the world. This is when you, you know, you look at every murder that's ever, ever happened. It comes on TV. Every murder in your country, in your state, in your city, maybe even every horrific, you know, serial killing murder that's ever happened in the world gets in front of every human being on the planet. And it starts to go in there that people can't be trusted, that people, you know, it's not safe out there with other people. And then what happens is that manipulation goes in there, even though you've probably never known anyone to be murdered. You've never known a serial killer. You've never been directly impacted by that. And if it wasn't for the fact that you read it in the newspaper, serial killing may never even exist to you. In fact, ask yourself, if you hadn't watched any news, if you hadn't have watched any television, if you'd only lived your life in the tribal way that we were meant to live our life, how we evolved to learn and how we evolved to condition these behaviors inside of ourselves. If you'd only had your life experience directly, your life, the people in your life, the witnessed experiences that you've seen, and what people directly have taught you that came either through their own stories or from their witness experiences or from other people's stories, yes, it's still a far reaching amount of information. Ask yourself how much of what you perceive about the world would actually be real. Like, how much would you not know about the world? Would you know that murderers existed? Would that be really real for you? Or would it be like, well, someone somewhere once said they knew someone that murdered someone or was murdered. Would serial killers exist for you? Almost certainly not, right? I mean, pretty much all of us have never been touched by that. Let's look at, you know, paedophilia, for example, right? I mean, there's this ever feeling and threat of, you know, everyone's out to get my kids and stuff. And whilst there's a very real threat in this world... Ask yourself, actually, how much of that is really real in your life? And then look at all the current events going on in the news right now. All these events that are getting bombarded into your head, pushed into your head through every media channel, online, offline, news channels, TV, magazines, politicians. And just think for a moment how much of what you know is going on in the world right now, just right now, let alone what's gone in your whole life so far and what comes still down the line. What's going on in the world right now and ask yourself, how much of that is really relevant to really, really relevant to my life right now? Like, is this really 
existing in my world right now? Or is it existing in the world outside of my world and therefore it's coming in and it's manipulating and it's influencing me because my brain is learning from this information like it did from my own tribe. The fact it's in another country, my unconscious cannot discern between the difference. The fact that it's on TV makes no difference than if it happened on my street. And it starts to go in. And therefore, what happens is all this information goes in from mainstream media, for example, it has an agenda behind it. There's an agenda. Number one, eyeballs, attention. It's not about informing. It's not about educating you. It really isn't. Like getting eyeballs, getting your attention so they can get their sponsorship or keep their funding. And then it's about whoever has the agenda that's behind that. And we know this to be true. We know that certain newspapers and certain media outlets favour certain politicians. So we know that they lean in favour of those politicians. So anyone that consumes information from certain channels or through certain newspapers, for example, we know, right, that that's a manipulated story. It's, it's a biased story. It's been deliberately put out there to send the message on behalf of the people that they are already aligned with. But you read that newspaper thinking it's the truth. You're thinking you're getting all the information and it all goes in and it starts to make you biased in certain ways. You start to have thoughts about things. You start to have opinions about things. You go out there and you're having a debate over a beer, maybe a bud watching the game. And suddenly you become aware that it's not even your thoughts anymore. It's not what you think anymore. It's not what you believe to be true anymore. You're just repeating what you've been taught over and over again. You're repeating what you've heard over and over again. You've been hijacked. And I cannot state this enough. If you want to set yourself free in this world, if you want to truly be the version of yourself that you can be and want to be, if you want to create all you want to create in this world, you need to step outside of the manipulation and the influence of these negative forces that don't have your best interests at heart. They just want you to behave in a certain way which aligns with their outcomes and their agendas and it aligns with what they want to achieve themselves. And that may well be completely contradictory to your own agenda, your own values, your own beliefs and what you want to create out of life for yourself. You need to become more awake. You need to become more conscious. And the way you do that, you have to go introspective on yourself. You have to dare to challenge yourself. Is this me or is this somebody else right now? Are these my words or somebody else's words right now? Do I really believe this to be true? Is this actually really true? Or is it just what I've been told is true? Does this really impact me and affect me or is it affecting other people and I haven't been discerning about separating those two things out? What's my reality? What's my truth? What's my beliefs? What are my values? What do I really think? What's my perception of a situation? Ask these questions over and over again and I know sometimes we don't like the answer. We don't like the idea that we've been hijacked, we've been brainwashed, we've been manipulated. We don't like the idea that there's these unseen forces that are trying to get us to behave in certain ways, whether that's buying a shitload of McDonald's for our kids because it makes us a better parent, whether it's drinking too much beer because we think we're being sociable and friends and it's what you do when you watch the game, whether it's going skiing because we want to experience this, whether we go to the Bahamas. Because it's starting to say, where the fuck do I want to go? What do I want to do? What do I want to fucking drink? What do I want to watch? What do I want to think? And I tell you now, in the world we live in today, we don't get a lot of that right now. And it's not our fault. We're all being bombarded nonstop. Social media channels, online media channels, news channels, newspapers, TV. Fuck me, products spend millions and millions putting their fucking product in the background of a film or a TV program to get into you, to put that inception in you. 
You'll watch a film with Tom Cruise in it and there'll be an apple in the corner. That's no fucking accident. You'll watch a film and they'll get a beer and the beer will be a Heineken or the beer will be a Bud or the beer will be some other product beer. You know, and it's not an accident. They could have chosen any beer, right? Someone's paid, more often than not, a fucking fortune for Tom Cruise to have the Coke machine in the background or to drive the Mercedes, for James Bond to continue to drive the Aston Martin. He went over to BMW for a while, if you remember, right? Paid a fucking fortune because the sex appeal of James Bond and whatever he's driving is what we want to be that guy. We all want to be James fucking Bond. So if James Bond's driving a BMW Z4 like he was in one of the films, then guess what? I want a BMW Z4 so I can be like Bond. It sounds fucking ridiculous, and I know you're sitting there now thinking, of course I don't think like that. Guess what happens when that message is pumped into you over and over and over and over again? Think this for a moment. Why would BMW pay millions of pounds to put their cars in films and put their cars and TV programs if it didn't work? Why would Audi do it? Why would Coke do it? Why would Apple do it? Why would any company spend that kind of money just to put their product in the background of a scene of a film if it didn't work? They know it fucking works. Why would they put adverts on over and over again? Why would they sponsor football teams? Why would they put the banners up around the football pitches? Why would they sponsor Formula One teams, sponsor Formula One drivers? Why do they you know, sponsor actors almost? You know, you'll see certain actors aligned with certain brands. Why would they do that? The money is insane. The profit that they're spending that they could use themselves. They could just keep the money themselves. But no, they're putting it into all of this stuff. Why? Because it fucking works. So you have to understand that. Why are politicians courting the media? Because they know it works. They know if they can get a media channel or a certain news group, because it's all these huge groups now, to keep pushing a certain message at you, They know it works. That's why so much energy and money goes into it because they know it works. So if you're sitting here now doubting what I'm saying, if you're sitting here now and what I'm saying just sounds like, I don't know, some crazy person in a tinfoil hat or whatever it might be, understand everything I've just shared with you over the last 40 minutes. Understand how we operate as a being, how we operate as an animal, how we've evolved to learn and to be safe. Look at how that has then been hijacked And then look at the amount of money that goes into that hijacking and you can see it obviously works. And I tell you now, when you start to wake up and start looking around, you can see the strings. You might not see your own strings of your own puppet initially. You might just see your kids. Your kids come in from school and they want a certain product. You're thinking, damn, they really want that product? Are you thinking that? Or have I conditioned them to want that product because I keep giving it to them when they come in from school? Or have they seen it on TV or whatever it might be? Next time they ask for McDonald's, have a think. Why are they asking for McDonald's? What's triggering them to want McDonald's? It's not just hunger. I always they'd want McDonald's every single day. And some kids probably do. But if your kid suddenly wants McDonald's or pizza or Coke or an ice cream, look around and think, right, what's triggering that thought in them? Because you'll see their strings first. If you've got a dog or a cat and you get the bowl out of the cupboard, as soon as they can hear the bowl, they'll come in up, bam, running up, salivating. As soon as I open the fridge, right? I don't know how my dogs used to know this. If I open the fridge, if I was going to get cheese out, they seemed to know I was going to get cheese out before I knew I was going to get cheese out. There was something about how I approached the fridge that they knew meant cheese was coming out of that fridge. And as soon as I touched the paper, if they hadn't already picked up on it, they were already out there. Bang. Why were they there? Why are they triggered by that? You'll see the strings. You'll see the the dog being puppeted, the cat being puppeted, wildlife being puppeted. Look at your husband or your wife or your kids. You'll see them being puppeted. And then if you look close enough in the mirror, if you really look close enough, if you're brave enough to look at yourself for long enough, you'll see your own strings. 
And if you want to set yourself free, you cut those strings. If you want to be your own person, you cut those strings. If you don't want to be a puppet on somebody else's agenda, you cut those strings. If you don't want to be scared of the things that other people are telling you to be scared of, then cut those strings. If you don't want to be desiring things that other people want you to desire rather than what you want to desire, cut those strings. And when you set yourself free from there, you can start to create yourself. And there you can start to really analyze yourself and start to question yourself. Who am I? What am I? Who do I want to be? Where do I want to go? What do I want to buy? What do I want to eat? What do I want to do in my fucking life? And you'll realize that so much of everything that you think like that is someone else's agenda. It's a big brand product. It's a political position. It's the news. It's the newspaper. It's your family your friends, your parents, your teachers growing up, society, the book you read when you were young, the TV films that you read, the movie star that you follow. You'll start to realise that all this information, the social media channels that you follow, and you start to realise that all this is going in and so little of what you're doing, so little of what you're thinking, so little of who you're being is actually you. And I want you to find yourself in this because here now, that's where happiness is. That's where joy is. That's where total and utter fulfillment comes from. It's from finding out who you are, working out who you are, what you want to have, and then living life on those terms. When you do that, that's where happiness is. That's where fulfillment is. That's where your peace, your bliss is. So here's a call to action, right? It's a long one today, 45 minutes. Wake up. This isn't an insult. We're all asleep. I teach this stuff, have done for well over 10 years. This model, the puppet, is 10 years old. I've been teaching this for 20 years plus. But guess what? Because I'm still a human being, it's the way we're built, I'm still 95% asleep. And plenty of times, I'm still 99% asleep. My job is really simple, is to keep questioning, keep looking in the mirror, be introspective, look for the inceptions, look for the programs that aren't your programs, look for the agendas that are manipulating you, see the strings on your own chemical puppet, you, start to cut those strings, set yourself free, and then you can start to have everything you want to have. And it starts with the experience of life that you want to have. Nice one, guys. Heavy, heavy one here straight out of the gate on Monday. But it's really powerful stuff. It's something I've been passionate about, as I say, for about 20 years now. And this model's been around for 10 years now. And, uh, you know, it's everything from your health, your weight, your relationships, your business, to your political persuasions, to your fears, your doubts, your anxieties, all these things. So many of them, they're just not you. They're not you. They're not yours. They're implanted in you, sometimes accidentally, because that's just how shit goes in, sometimes deliberately and sometimes cynically and maliciously in order to negatively impact you, in order to take certain actions which benefit other people around you, other organisations around you, other agendas around you. And there are many, many of those around right now. And there always has been and there always will be. We want to set ourselves free. If you are a small, ambitious business owner and you want to take yourself to the next level, don't forget the Six Figure Fast Track is a webinar, it's a masterclass designed specifically to help you take your five-figure service-based business, whether that's 10, 20, 30, 40, 50K, to 100K or more in the next 12 months or less. It's possible even in, yes, the economy that we are currently facing. The rules of success, they haven't changed. It's just become 10 times more important to apply them. Get yourself on the six-figure fast track. You'll also see when you go to that webpage URL, you'll see links to our live uh, sessions as well. So please do also sign up, get yourself onto one of our live sessions so we can take you through the six-figure mindset, 
the six-figure business model that you need to have in place and the six-figure day-to-day methodologies that are going to get you to that 100k or more in the next 12 months or less. You can find all of that at biggerbrighterbolder.co.uk forward slash fast track. I will see you next time. Until then, as always, be successful. Leveling up extreme business growth through raising your game. When what was once extraordinary becomes ordinary, you know you've leveled up.